0: Um, a little bit about my story. When I was young, I just left school. I managed to, I was one of those fortunate few that landed an engineering apprenticeship um, with a big engineering company in Daventry. Um, yeah, you know, so it's just after I left school, straight out of school. It's only about 10 years ago. <laughs> what? Don't let the grey deceive you. <laughs> so I got into this engineering apprenticeship um, with a company called British Timpkin, And, you know, they the whole goal of me uh, serving in this apprenticeship was basically to be trained in all sorts of aspects of engineering. Everything from drafting, you know, technical drawing and on through to machine operation and product manufacturing and business services, and all these sorts of things that we we were trained in. Um, And in actually, in the second year, as of the second year of the apprenticeship, I was actually brought over to the Daventry plant here, uh, and I was posted in a tool room uh, where it was literally hands-on. You know, a lot of the training was, some of the training was sort of in the classroom, you know, learning mathematics and business studies and, and all those, as I say, technical drawing and things. But in the second year, it was more hands-on, who were actually operating the machinery. And so what I was doing in the tool room there, they put me, they assigned me as like a kind of a shadow to some of the skilled guys there. They'd been working there for like 35, 40 years operating their machinery. Uh, And the whole goal of that, the whole intention, was that I would actually shadow them and I would eventually be able to be trained To operate and do all the things that this skilled engineer had been doing, he would effectively kind of reproduce himself, multiply himself in me, all the passions, all his skills, um, all his technical know how uh, behind all that. So that was, uh, that was the goal. Um, And then I became a pastor of the church. So it's downhill from there, you know, I I was set to become a trained engineer who would be able to do everything that the skilled guy would be able to do. And I became a pastor. Um, but that's what apprenticeship is about. Apprenticeship is about reproducing all the skills in the apprentice, the, you know, the, the trainer, the, the teacher reproducing themselves and creating another skilled individual. Um, but what we've been talking about in our series, uh, Living It, is, yes, okay, you can move on. You can move on. <laughs> and we're talking about apprenticeship to Jesus. We're talking about um, that we're all called. We're all called to be followers of Jesus, learning what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Now, Jesus invites us to follow him. And many have interpreted that as just purely a an invitation into understanding a few things about Jesus, believing certain things about the nature of who he is, so that we get to go to heaven when we die. But what we've been learning is actually the invitation of Jesus is to something way, way more than just a a philosophy, a thinking, a way of thinking. It's a a way of living. discipleship, apprenticeship with Jesus, or being a follower of Jesus Jesus, means to centre ourselves, centre our life around him. It means to uh, orchestrate, restructure your life around these three goals at the bottom here, to be with Jesus, to become more and more like Jesus, and to begin to do the things that Jesus did. That's what apprenticeship is. now, that's essentially what we, the Vineyard, are called to do here, is to become disciples, to become apprentices of Jesus, and to make apprentices uh, of other people. So we are to basically to arrange the entirety of our lives around those three things. They are our life goals, if you like. So that's what we've been doing over these last few weeks. I've kind of been unpacking those, delving into those things a little bit more. Last week I was talking more about change and transformation, how change and transformation takes place in our life that we might become more and more like Jesus. Um, so this is the third part, is actually talking about what we're, gonna, we're us doing the things that Jesus did, actually doing the things that Jesus did. So I'm going to start by opening up in Matthew 4. If you want to follow along, the words will indeed come up on the screen. And in fact, actually, we're going to be trailing right the way through um, Matthew's Gospel. Okay, this is lots of Bible. I I feel as though I have to apologise. I shouldn't be apologising for that, should I? Um, It's the Bible. It's good stuff, believe me. Uh, But hanging there, there is lots of Bible to look at. Starting in Matthew 4 from verse 18. And what we're going to do is venture through the entire... Uh, process, the entire uh, discipleship program (laughs) that Jesus uses uh, in his life for what he did when he was on the earth. So, uh, yeah, Matthew 4, verse 18 says, Whilst walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, as Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, uh, who's also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Now that phrase, I'll make you fishers of men. It wasn't just Jesus, you know, kind of cracking a bit of a joke, a bit of a pun. <laughs> so, you know, a cheesy joke with because they were fishermen. Actually, that phrase was a Hebrew, uh, an ancient Hebrew idiom. It's kind of a figure of speech, if you like. And it was used for somebody who was a great teacher. So, if you, you know those who are a great teacher, they're called fisher, a fisher of men or a fisher of women. And the reason what they were called a, a, a fisher of men, a great teacher was called a fisher of men, they were nicknamed that, was because he or she had the ability to to capture the imagination and the thinking, capture the minds of the people that were listening to him. Jesus was a great teacher. He was a fisher of men. And what he was saying here effectively was, you know, I'm a great teacher. And you know what? If you become my apprentices, if you come and follow me, I will make you a great teacher as well. Now, in the very next verses, we see how Simon and Andrew, they literally drop everything and they just go and follow Jesus. You know, they lay down their career, their livelihood, all of their provision for their family, and they just go and head off after Jesus. So, verse 20. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him exactly the same as the first two uh, disciples. Uh, and he went through, uh, sorry, he went throughout all Galilee. This is just some of the things that Jesus was doing. Teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame, as Jesus' fame, spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, And he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. Chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his Talmudim, his disciples, his apprentices, they came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, and then he springs into a whole bunch of teaching what's become known as the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount, then, is essentially his... This is his kind of public declaration. This is his manifesto for how we, his disciples, his apprentices, are going to live out this life in this new countercultural reality that he calls uh, the kingdom of God. Move on to chapter 8, Verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came. Now, this is a guy who's trained in understanding the Old Testament's uh, teachings, okay? So a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I'll go wherever you go. Jesus replied, yeah, do you really think so? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. That was me. I didn't know that bit. Um, it, Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is like saying, you say you follow me? Well, I'm homeless. <laughs> come on then. <laughs> Verse 21, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. It's like, come on, we're going. Now, so Jesus, you know, right from the beginning here, he's calling people to himself. He's inviting them to follow him. And among those that he's inviting are there are those who are like super keen. They're like like donkey from the Shrek. You remember that? You know, he's at the back jumping them down, pick me, pick me, yeah, pick me. I'm there. <laughs> There's a bunch of people like that. He also calls a lot of people who are and it seems to really be a bit more reticent. They're like, mm, I don't know, I've got lots to do. They, they, they're kind of dragging their heels. Oh, oh, oh I've got these excuses for why. And maybe they're saying, you know, Jesus, I want to. I want to come and follow you. But I've got my family to sort out. I've got these other things over here that I just need to do first. So you've got all these different types of people that Jesus invited. Who else? Uh, if we skip to chapter 9, from verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Matthew, then, is a tax collector. Now, Matthew, I mean, tax collectors, they're just like the, the most despised you know, scum of the earth. They're the bottom of the barrel individuals within the uh, uh, Jewish uh, society. He was a Jew, uh, but he's collaborating with the Romans. He's, he's collaborating and working for the Roman Empire. These are the oppressors. These are the enemies. So he's a splitter. <laughs> you know? He's kind of sold out everything that he was part of, the culture he was part of. And he's now kind of working for the enemy, as it were. He's like an informant. And so he's despised. He's the bottom of the barrel. And so Jesus even goes over to him and says, hey, you Matthew, scumbag, informant, tax collector bloke, you know, come and follow me. Come, come and be my disciple, my apprentice. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many scumbag, informant, tax collectors... Does it say that in your version? No. no it's just mine then. Many scumbag, informant, tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why is this teacher, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's like, man, this doesn't really make sense. If your rabbi is this holy man from God, why is he hanging out with all the wrong people? It's all the, the lowlife, the dirty ones, the, the scumbags. Why is he hanging out with all of them? Verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. And he quotes from the Old Testament book of Hosea. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And so Jesus then, he kind of calls all these people to follow him. And there are people who are messed up, And there are people who, you know, they haven't got all their ducks lined up. They haven't got it all sorted in their life. They haven't got their act together. And yet Jesus says, hey... Matthew, you know, this this invitation is unextended even to you. Come, be my apprentice. And then we skip down to verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in the synagogues. Again, this is all the things that Jesus is about. It's what he's doing, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without shepherd, are. and then he said to his newly gathered disciples, his newly gathered apprentices, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In other words, what Jesus was like saying is, know, yeah, there are tens of thousands of people right the way across uh, israel, right the way across the region, and yeah there 's only one of me there's lots to be done there 's only one of me i 'm going to need some workers in this, I need somebody." Else to come alongside me. Verse 38 says, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And look up at that word, send out. It's a really interesting word. Um, the origin of that word, it's a Greek word, is uh, a word, ekbelo. I think that's how it's pronounced. Ekbello. And ekbello, it kind of has a sense of force behind it. You know, when we say sent them out, there's like this kind of energy of force. Behind it's kind of being driven out. It's actually the same word used when uh, evil spirits or demonic spirits were driven out of people. You know, so it's a kind of force behind it. It's also the same word that was used when Jesus was sent out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. It's kind of pushing out. It's like go, go. I kind of like see it as like the mother bird who's in the nest and he's, she's kind of like pushing out the the young from the nest. Go, go fly. Go do it. It's that little push because she knows that's sometimes what we need, you know. <clears throat> Go do it. So Jesus is like, pray and ask the Lord to push people out, to send people out. With this pushing this uh, pressure, this power. And then um, that they will join me in my kingdom work around here. He's like, you know, I need more people. I need more people to come and draw alongside me on this. Chapter 10. Beginning of chapter ten. Jesus calls the twelve disciples to him, and get this: he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and illness. It was like, okay, guys, your turn. <laughs> Ship, off you go, your go. And then, from verse two, we kind of get we get the list of the twelve. These are the guys that made it into the squad. Okay, <laughs> this is the team. There are the names of the 12 apostles. Uh, These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, (laughs) Matthew, tax collector, he made it, got it in the team. Um, Matthew, Um, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and the one and only Judas. This Garrett who betrayed him. These were the twelve that Jesus, is that phrase, sent out uh, with the following instructions Do not go to the Gentiles or enter into the town of the Samaritans, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, do these things. What well, are Proclaim the message of the kingdom of heaven has come near. So it's exactly the same message that Jesus has been declaring and preaching. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. And it's just beautiful line, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. It's like Jesus is saying, okay, you know you've been following me for all this time. We've been together now for some years, maybe one, two years. You've experienced me. You've experienced the love of the Father. And now it's up to you. It's your turn. You need to go out now. So freely you have received, freely give. And then this last section. I told you it was in lots of Bible, didn't I? So it's chapter 28. This is right, the, the, the closing verses of uh, the Gospel of Matthew. The last few verses, Jesus has been crucified, he's died, he's risen again, he's appeared to a whole bunch of people, he's been teaching about the kingdom again, uh, sharing a whole bunch of things. Verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. As we kind of venture through Jesus' story here, there's this pattern emerge, this discipleship pattern, over and over and over again, you see as Jesus appears on the scene, and he's this fascinating rabbi, and yet he's more than just a fascinating rabbi, he's, he's the Messiah, he's the one. He's God's anointed one, he's sent to actually usher in the kingdom of God, to bring in um, God's rule and reign to this earth, and then right at the beginning of Jesus' public um, engagement, if you like, he begins to call people after him. That is you know, I'm going to call call people, apprentices, make apprentices. Peter, Andrew, John, James, come on, come and be on my team, Be on my squad, come and follow me, let's do this together. And then these apprentices, they begin to follow him, and then what we mean by to follow him is they begin to hang out with him, they, they're with him for a long time, they stay with him, they uh, eat with him, they start to mimic him. Copy the things that he does. Copy the, the examples for how he lives, his practices, things that he did when he got up in the morning. The things that uh, they learn how to pray like he did. They learn to practice the Sabbath the way he did. They just copy everything about him. They memorize the Torah. They effectively, effectively, they're kind of living together in this little community, and whatever they saw him do, they would emulate, and then. As a result of that, not instantly, but over time, they would begin to change. Slowly, they begin to change in who they are. And then we come to this real specific moment in this process where Jesus is like, okay, chaps, you know, we've been together for quite some time now. You've been with me, and I think you're ready. Hey, Pete, look over there. There's that woman there. She needs healing. Go for it. Whew, there's the Holy Spirit. Go. Yeah, hey, hey, James, Pete, or whatever, there's somebody over there. They're like, demonized. Go and have some fun. There's the host. <laughs> go and have some fun over there. He's like saying "So all of you, hey, all of you, just kind of pair up. Go into twos, go into the town. I want you to preach the message, preach the gospel message that the kingdom has come. Go and heal the sick or whatever the need is. Go out and do all those things. And you know what? Come back here. We'll meet here in about two weeks' time. We can kind of share our experiences. Is that right? Oh, what? Well, us? We've got, we got to go out Yeah, okay, go. Do it. And so they all kind of go out, the disciples go out, they go and preach the message that God's kingdom rule has come. Now it's here, it's present, it's near. They're praying for the sick and so on. then they come back and they have like a debriefing meeting with Jesus. And they're, like, buzzing. They come back. They're like, oh, wow, you should have seen us, Jesus. We were, like, praying for the sick. We're... Demons flying out everywhere. Our, our people at our command. It was just awesome. Jesus is like, yeah, well, that's, that's, that's really cool. But, you know, don't get so buzzed on the fact that all that was happening. Yeah, rejoice more in the fact that your yeah, name's in the book, in God's book. So we're really, really excited. And then there's this... Uh, particular moment in this in this phase of of discipleship of apprenticeship where jesus says look now you've been my apprentices you've been on this program for some time it's a good couple of years i think you've got what it makes to actually go out and make disciples yourself i think it's time you should go out and make disciples don't worry about it you know you won't be alone i'm going to be with you to the end of the age i'll be there i'll be with you there's this pattern of of apprentice to apprenticeship, what apprenticeship takes. I mentioned it again in in the opener when I was talking about when I was an engineering apprentice um, all those years ago. And it's the pattern that Jesus uses here. And numerous teachers are pointing out that this pattern is essentially there's like four stages to apprenticeship that Jesus uses. The first stage is I do, you watch. It's like I'm going to do a whole bunch of things, you just watch what I do Make notes if you need to. If that helps, you know. But but I'm doing it. You're watching. Second stage is I do, you help. So this is Jesus. He's outworking miraculous um, things, and he's he's involving the disciples. He's involving his apprentices. I think a bit like like when Jesus fed the five thousand. You know, he says, "Hey guys, Pete, James, you, John, you, you know, can you go and hand out the bread and the fish? You can you go do it." They're like, well, and he kind of multiplied. It did the miracle using them through their their hands. The third stage is you do, I help. You do, I help. <clears throat> so it's like, okay, it's your turn, but don't worry, I'm right here. I'm going to coach you through the process. So I'm not far away. I'll help you. And then stage four is you do. And I watch, or to use the language that we were just reading in Matthew there, it's go, make disciples, and I'll be with you to the end of the age. This is the basic pattern that Jesus uses to outwork discipleship over and over and over again. And what it means is, or what's clear in this process, is that the goal of apprenticeship is that we do what Jesus did. That's the goal of a apprenticeship to Jesus, that we actually do the things that Jesus did. It's simple, isn't it? If you think about it, it's not rocket science. It's so simple. And yet the church seems to have missed it, yeah, largely. And I say that because we're the church. I can say that we are part of that. We, some, sometimes we, the church, we've missed the simplicity of that. It's become more you know, about what we believe about Jesus and you know, how to get to go to heaven. You've got to live in a way that God will smile at us and we can go to heaven rewarded at the end of the day. If you're an apprentice to Jesus today, your goal, your end goal is to grow and mature over time into a person, you know, somebody who's like Jesus and can continue in the work of Jesus. That's what it's about. We're about continuing the work of Jesus. So What do I mean by the work of Jesus? What is that? Well, you know, he did a load of teaching. You know, we've just read through all that. He did loads and loads of teaching. So we'll be involved in teaching. But that's not the end of what Jesus is about. He was also come, as I said earlier, to usher in the kingdom of heaven, to initiate this coming in, this breaking in of God's rule on the earth. Now, a few weeks ago, I listed up a few things. This list here. It's kind of like my, you know, let's like break open what we mean then by the bringing of the kingdom. What does that look like? And that is, you know, preaching the gospel. That's going talking and telling people about the, you know, the kingdom come and what Jesus has done. It's about teaching the way. It's about teaching the way that Jesus leads us, how he uh, has been the template on how to live life well. It's about healing the sick. It's about, you know, people who are actually physically sick. It's going out and seeing those healed, casting out demons. Next one I really like, eating and drinking with people who are far from God. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is my rabbi. I'm going to follow that one. (laughs) Eating and drinking. Doing justice, you know, caring for the poor, speaking up for the marginalized, those who can't speak up for themselves. All those sorts of things, peacemaking, and raising the dead. How are you doing with that? Anybody done that yet? No. Okay. Uh, So we've got to grow into raising the dead still. (laughs) That's okay. So if you're here today and you call yourself a Christian, you know, however you want to phrase it, I don't care. If you know whatever it is, you are an apprentice to Jesus. So if you're here and you're an apprentice to Jesus, um your end goal is to, 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 to do all of those things, okay? Now, don't worry about it. I'm not saying by the end of the service. <laughs> it's by the end of next week, okay? No. <laughs> not by the end of the service, but just over time, we're going to actually grow into doing all of those uh, things. I mean, think about it. To become a qualified electrician, it takes, what, like three years, or sometimes even four years, to actually be a qualified electrician. So I'd say it's probably going to take a little bit longer for us to become Jesus, (laughs) and to become like Jesus. It's going to take a little bit longer, maybe a couple of years, maybe a couple of young years, a couple of decades. Maybe it's going to take the rest of our life to actually become like Jesus and to do the things that he did. Over time, it'll happen, but we need to make this our end goal now. We have to see that as that's where we're heading, okay? Because it shapes what we do now. But remember what we've been saying in previous weeks, you know? If you want this to be your experience, if you want this to be your life experience, you know when Jesus said, I can't you'll have life and life to the full. This is what I see it as. This is life and life to the full. And if you want life to the full... <laughs> If you want to actually experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. (laughs) Live the way he lived. Um, And as we've been sharing in the last couple of weeks, Jesus, he developed a very specific lifestyle. It was characterized by certain patterns and certain practices. It was a lifestyle of abiding in the Father. It was a lifestyle of just getting away, to be alone with God uh, on on occasions. It was about a lifestyle of practicing the Sabbath and all the other uh, you know silence and solitude and prayer and fasting and all those sorts of things. See, Jesus' way was not just, as I was saying earlier, a bunch of philosophies and you know good ideas. It wasn't a religion. It wasn't a religion called Christianity in that sense. It was a way of life. It was a way of living, living it, (laughs) living life. It was a new way to be human uh, in this new reality that Jesus called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And what's more, Jesus' life was one that was totally surrendered to the will of the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know, some people say, "Ah, oh, that's really, really cool, Rob. Jesus did all that, but he was God. <laughs> and, you know, I can't do that. Actually, no, Jesus, yes, he was God. But, you know, he laid aside. He put down all of his benefits of, the, of being God and all the power that he, and he was totally dependent on the, on the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything Jesus did, it, it wasn't in his power. It was in the power of the Holy Spirit. When he came, that's what you've got to remember: is Jesus, God came as Jesus of Nazareth, the man, <laughs> Jesus of you know, the carpenter man, Jesus of Nazareth. And he, as I say, he kind of he put, laid aside all those benefits of being God in order to provide us with a template of what it means to be fully human, real human, and to be dependent on the power uh, of the Father. And so, in doing that, as You know, when we read about him healing the sick and casting out demons and raising people from the dead, he did so through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when his disciples did the same in the Bible, it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the church, they went out and they prayed for the sick and they removed demons and raised the dead and whatever, they did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you and I go out and do exactly the same, we do so in the same way, in the power of the Holy Spirit. The thing is, let's finish with this, is how does this work out today? In our post-Christian world, how do we be the people of God in our place, in, this, in a time like that, that we're living in now? And that's kind of what we, we've got to all figure out. We're all figuring it out as a church community and individuals. But I just want to finish with just a couple of very brief thoughts on this. If you want to just pull up the slide I, I did. Less time. First of all, uh, it's intentional formation, intentional spiritual formation paradigm I introduced last week. This collaboration between us and God, it's this joint effort, God working in us and us doing a series, a series of things. If we're going to grow and be mature, we're going to actually be transformed into the kind of person that would join Jesus. In His Kingdom work, then some changes need to take place in all of us. Firstly, at the top there is, is teaching. We're not going to figure it out on our own. In other words, we're not going to figure it out just in our little bubble uh, in isolation. We need to be e- exposed to, it. we ex- expose ourselves to the wisdom and good, sound biblical teaching, which is what we strive to do and bring here from this platform. We're always trying to think A good, solid. Biblical teaching, and how, we, how do we take that and apply that in our lives? So teaching. Second, it take, I'm really going to dash over this. It takes practice actually doing the stuff that we actually learn here uh, on a Sunday. We practice it. Remember I was talking about also practicing the common sense habits, you know, the, the spiritual practices, again, the prayer and fasting, silence and solitude, practicing the Sabbath and generosity and all those sorts of things. We practice. Healing the sick. We practice prophesy. We practice sharing words of knowledge and generosity, and all those other things. You know, in life group this week, we just took some time out just to practice that. You know, we took a couple of people out and said to everybody else, "Okay, you know, prophesy. Go give some words of encouragement and words of knowledge." We just want to practice that wherever we possibly can. So it's a practice. And thirdly, we need to remember that it takes intentional community practicing the way of Jesus alongside others, actually living it out. (laughs) Am I going to plug this? Living it thing. Living it out with others and towards one another as well. And above all, it takes, right in the center of the triangle there, it takes the Holy Spirit within us, changing us and growing us from the inside out. Remember, It takes time as well. It doesn't happen in an instance. It takes time over a course of time, and it happens due to the knocks of life and the the difficulties, the trials in life. So that's the first thing I just wanted to bring us back to, is we need to be intentional on our part as God is working with us. And the second thing I just wanted to... uh, If you come back to that list again, Landry, if we move on, you know, we look at that and we say, okay, that's our goal as apprentices to Jesus. You can kind of look at that and feel, man, that's a bit daunting. It's a bit overwhelming. There's quite a lot there. Wow, what are we going to do? And, and the last point I just want to say is start with the basics. <laughs> start, with, start with the basics. You know, coming off of that list here, joining Jesus in ushering the kingdom in, As I say, maybe it's overwhelming, um, but start with something like eating with people who are far from God. That's really, that's quite easy. It's very pleasurable as well. Start with that. If you examine Jesus' strategy for actually reaching the world with the kingdom of God, one of his chief strategies, it was literally that. Hanging out with people and eating and drinking. And so much so, he was criticized for it. He was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard. You know? It says it in Luke 7. It says that the Son of Man came eating and drinking. You say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sin- sinners. He was always doing it. He was often like, hey, hey you over there at the back? What's your name? Ah, yeah, great to meet you. Hey, tell you what, do you, do you want to hook up, have some dinner together? Yep, is that good? Next Saturday. Cool. I'm homeless, <laughs> so we're coming to your house. <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> come around your house. And, and I know you've done some pretty nasty things for the poor and everything, but, you know, I can overlook <laughs> that for a moment. But we're going to come and hang out. I tell you what, bring all your other friends with you who have also done similar sort of things, and we'll have a great chat together. That's what he did. It's, it's really... <laughs> No rocket science in there. You just hang out. And for us, I think it's kind of like, hey, going out and seeing a neighbor. You know, man, we've been neighbors for like two and a half years, and I don't even know your name. I'm really sorry about that. I feel so rude. What was your name? I'm Rob, by the way. Or you know, Hey, listen, tell you, what would you do Thursday night? My wife, she's, she cooks a real mean lasagna. Why don't you come around? We'll have a meal together and hang out. We'll have a chat. It's, Really, that easy? I mean, we did. We did that for years, didn't we? With uh, you know, we had some neighbours. They became part of the church, and uh, but we just spent like was it once a week or was it every fortnight? It's every week. We'd share a meal with this neighbour, and we'd go around to theirs, and then we'd invite them to their as alternate weeks, and lots of wine, <laughs> lots of food, and it was just a real, real great time of getting to know. Um, Neighbors. And neighbors. And maybe you're kind of thinking, but rather I don't cook. There's my excuse. I, I can't cook. Well, try. Learn something. Learn to cook one meal and make it the best meal ever. And then cook that meal one at a time for all of your neighbors in time. <laughs> Hang around. You become real good at making that meal, I'll tell you over time. But just, you know, do something like that. Just share a meal with someone. Do what it says in Romans twelve thirteen. Practice Hospitality. And by the way, that was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. <laughs> Practice hospitality, you like <laughs> it was like that. Practice hospitality. But imagine you know what it'd be like if we as a church became known for our radical hospitality. Man, they're just so hospitable, those people. they been always having people around, providing for people caring for people what if your home down your street gained a reputation for being the place where people just love to hang out have drinks and meals and celebrate hang out together it's just a place where we're loved and accepted just it's just a great great place it's a great home down there you know the I think that the simple act of eating and drinking with those who are far from God could over time can change the world I think that that was Jesus' idea, anyway, I mean, it's not my idea. Jesus did that all, all the time. Build community. And it takes a number of years. You know, it's, it's been a long, long time, uh, many, many years for Angela and I to actually know, get to know our neighbours. We don't know all the neighbours yet. But we're at a place now where we can literally go out to the street and have some great conversations with folks that we got to know better. You know, and I've got to the point where I've been able to, on numerous occasions, been able to pray with some of the guys out, out there in the street. And, you know, I've had one neighbour, he was like one night, he'd pouring his heart out and just sobbing. You know, we'd just lost his mama and we just stood with him. You know, just, thought, what can you do? Put your hand on his shoulder. And just quietly prayed for him. <clears throat> learn, learn to love your neighbour. I got this idea. Actually, it wasn't my idea, it was fed to me. Um, this idea that you know, Jesus said, Love your neighbor as yourself. It's like, this is like the second of the greatest commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. Second, second only to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Now, we know that loving your neighbor, within the context that Jesus used it, can mean a whole bunch of different people. But how about if we. In our efforts to take Jesus seriously at his command started with our literal neighbors. And I have this thinking that if we can't love our neighbor unless we know them, you know, you can't love our neighbor unless you actually know them. And that means getting to know their name, getting to know about their life, you share your life with them. Over time, it doesn't happen instantly. It can be a bit weird. You know, some people are strange with that, you know. So tell me, what are you into? <laughs> Don't get weird on it, but, you know, just naturally, over time, just get to love your neighbours. Um, sometimes all it takes is us just being available. You know, one of the great things about us having a dog is you go out and walk the dog regularly, and you bump into neighbours with dogs. <laughs> it's like, fascinating. If you ever wondered... Yeah, but how am I going to initiate those meeting points with our neighbours? Get a dog. It's a great. It's a great thing. You actually go out. You bump into neighbours with dogs. You get chatting. Oh, what breed's that then? How old is it? Oh, and it loves. It. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. That's uh, my dog. It's like, but you get chatting with them, and then they're like, so where do you live? Oh, we just live over the back here. Where about you? Oh, where are you? you're our neighbour, and I never even knew you. Oh wow, I'm Rob. What's your... you know? It just goes on and on. It becomes a real natural. Uh, thing but you know being available being ready for God's beautiful interruptions in life beautiful moments that he uh, creates for us where we connect and we start to serve our neighbors and then be aware that it's not always just about God working in the neighbor in the neighbor you know sometimes you're the project (laughs) as well we're not we're not done yet he's not done with us we haven't arrived. So sometimes in this whole process, realize actually I'm the project in this one. I'm struggling with this neighbor, and I'm like, God, he's working, probably working on you in that as well. <clears throat> so let's start somewhere. Now, we're all at different stages in our walk with Jesus. Uh, some of us are quite new into it. We're probably just figuring out you know, how to hear God, or, you know, to sort of carve out time in your day just to spend time reading the Bible or pray more. Some of us uh, have been followers of Jesus for decades, literally decades. Some of us have been followers for hundreds of years. And, don't uh, <laughs> oh, look at me. Yeah, A long, long time, and maybe it's time you feel God is just drawing you into more deeper things with him, deeper things. Maybe he's pointing out, identifying wrong habits or wrong attitudes, tackling deep-rooted habits and things that you know, you've know you been suffering with or practicing for a long, long time. Things, things that you've never dealt with. And maybe God's actually leading you into those things as you go further with him. But as I said last week, let's do something. Let's 2018 not be like 2017 or 2016. Let's, let's 2018 be a year of transformation and change that at the end of it, we can look back and say, man, oh yeah, I just, I just noticed this difference in the way I respond. You know, Angela's video that I played last, I think was last week, um, how she engaged certain practices in her own pr- private time, just being with Jesus, reading the scriptures, being with Jesus. Devotional times, we call it, or whatever. Um, and she just noticed that over time, man, it worked. work. I just respond to people differently. I would normally have bitten their head off, or I would normally have participated in all that sort of back chatting and you know, talking behind somebody's back or whatever. But mm, I've noticed that's changed. I wasn't expecting that. That's what I'm praying, is that this year will be a year of change and transformation for every single one of us. Why don't we stand together?